You're panicking right now. Hello, friend. Remove all emotion and you'll do just fine. Hello, friend. That's lame. Maybe I should give you a name. Maybe I should give you a name. What I'm about to tell you is top secret. The Coffee Clutch Podcast. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Coffee Clutch Crew. I'm Jason Pistorino. I'm Christina Lomangino. This week, we try to defrag episode 1401, Unauthorized. Where during the Christmas season, Elliot and Mr. Robot make their return... Darlene deals with real trouble, Tyrell is bored, and Dom is paranoid. IMDb is giving this a 9.6 and Rotten Tomatoes a 90%. The critics say Mr. Robot is back and better than ever, with plenty of shocking moments and killer twists and turns. The signs are all pointing to the show's final season delivering the answers we've been waiting for in a satisfying way. And we are back here with the CKC covering Mr. Robot once again. I'm really happy that the critics and everyone enjoyed episode one, especially since there were such divisive opinions in last season. Yeah, more so season two. Season three, we started to get kind of back to form, but I think a lot hinged on opening up strong here for season four. And I like to think that UFC believes in Sam Esmail and Mr. Robot because they moved it to a primetime spot Sunday nights. Uh, Nine o'clock would probably be more prime, but 10 o'clock is still right up there. The only thing I felt is USA wasn't pushing it enough. Yes, hours preceding the show, there was a lot of quick commercials about Mr. Robot, especially considering it's a final season. Why didn't they do a marathon all day instead of a Law & Order marathon? I just feel like that would have helped get people to remember it's been two years. This is what happened. This is what Elliot's going through. These are the characters. A lot of things are going on and CKC will be on later. So you can't depend on them. Well, yeah. And unfortunately, this is reflected in the viewership, which is down yet again. For season one, we had an average of 1.39 million viewers down to 0.74 for season two, 0.53 for season three. And now we open up with 0.44 for season four. So it's a slow drop. You kind of expect a little bit more for the season premiere, people getting excited about it again. Well, I think that time frame could have something to do with it. You might see viewership pick up over the course of the week. Yeah, it's later on. It's Sunday night. Less and less people watch episodic shows while it's airing. But also, we have to keep in mind how deep of a show this is. That's why it's so good to podcast about. I had some clatchers who have been listening to our shows throughout the year and wanted to get in on Mr. Robot because that was our next show. And they told me, dude, I tried, and I can't get into it. And I said, all right, well, it's not for everybody, but were you lost? He's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what's going on. Did you watch any previous seasons? Oh, no, I just wanted to jump in with you guys. I'm like, oh, you can't do that. Yeah, but I have people <laughs> that have even watched religiously. I mean, we're podcasting on it, and I feel lost half the time. I spend hours taking notes for the show, more than any other show that we cover. Yeah. For this one, we have pages and pages of notes. I know I still missed millions of things. There's so much. There was only so much we could look into. We did our best. We're going to try to cover all different areas. We'll open up with our overall thoughts, then go into the background and some fun facts, and then we'll do our synopsis of what happened in the episode. We'll finish it off with our robot rating on a scale of 1 to 10, what we give the episode, our MVH, most valuable hacker, and that includes your poll results. And finally, our spoiler section and Clatcher's comments. Now, we're just starting off, so we don't have a lot of feedback for future episodes. If you have thoughts, questions, theories, we love to theory craft around here. It's never too wild and crazy for Jason and Christina. Feel free to write in to contact at coffeeclatchcrew.com. Leave a message on Twitter under the poll or call us. 
CKC.6606. That's 252-368-6606. And join in on our conversation because this really is an interactive experience. Here is your warning. There are going to be spoilers moving forward. If you haven't seen the season premiere, go check it out and then come on back here. Although we won't spoil anything for future episodes until the end of the podcast. We'll give you another warning then. Now, we've made this mistake in the past, but I like to say we learn from our mistakes. The first couple of episodes, we try to stay clear of making any theories or guesses because most of the time they're going to be asinine and wrong. We do. I'm still going to be asinine and wrong (laughs) because I want to make some predictions. But let's start off with our overall thoughts. In my opinion, this episode opened really strong. It did feel like a return to form. The primary focus was on Elliot and Mr. Robot. We picked up right where we left off. We'll get into that amazing transition from the previously on to the first scene. But we get a feel for what the relationship is going to be like. That's different every season between Elliot and Robot. We get some quick check-ins, but they didn't spend too much time on other characters such as Tyrell, Dom, Darlene. And we opened up with a bang and ended with a, I guess not a cliffhanger, but some crazy moments. So there was a lot of suspense and tension. Oh, this episode was full of them. There was no downtime. And thank God there was no commercials because it just kept coming. Can we just do that for every episode (laughs) the rest of the season? I believe they made up for it money-wise. You know, you're going to lose money if you don't have commercials during it. With that Sam Esmail behind the scenes talking about the two main characters blending directly into Gemini Man. Yes. I was like, oh, that's how they're making the money. (laughs) (laughs) Now, for each episode, we break down the origin of our title. What does it mean? Jason, you know some about technology. We are not experts in this. We do our best with the research. Well, starting right off, the titles are named differently. And I think this is a trend that we're seeing unfold right away in episode one. Sam Asmel seems to have streamlined things, make it, made it a little more simple so that more people will understand what's going on. There was complaints that some people felt like he was getting too smart for his own good. So I think he took a step back with this one, truncated the two seasons he had planned into one, and just simplified a little bit. So instead of the episode titles being very technical, looks like file formats, for example, 401 unauthorized, which is this one, would be 401 underscore unauthorized dot most likely PST in this episode. So he's just simplifying a little bit, but they still have meaning. Yeah. So instead we have 400, which is the class of HTTP status codes where the error seems to have been caused by the client or the user. We're going to break down what all those 400 codes are, 401 through 413, and those could be the possible titles for future episodes, but we don't want to give that away in case you don't want to know. Titles can mean a lot to a season. We've learned that with Game of Thrones. So that will be in our spoiler section. We'll just talk about this one here, 401 unauthorized, which is specifically for use when authentication is required and has failed. Now, authentication is the process of confirming a claimed identity. You are who you say you are. These are based on three different things. One, something you know, such as your PIN or your password. Two, something you have, such as a photo ID if you need to present it. And three, something you are, confirmed with a fingerprint or a retinal scan. And this is delivered to the client, the HTTP, via a package, they call it. And all of those username, password, IP, are, in, are part of that package that the other end receives. You said 401 unauthorized is an HTTP status code. Well, what is HTTP? It's a hypertext transfer protocol. But that still doesn't mean anything to normal people. <laughs> Not, I feel you. HTTP is the underlining protocol used by the World Wide Web, WWW, 
and this protocol defines how messages are formatted and transmitted. Think of it as a, a traffic guard that's directing where the traffic should go and when it should go. So for example, if you put in a URL, a web address to a website, and you press enter, it sets a command to this server, directing it to fetch and transmit. Right, the web page that you're looking for. So once you pull that up, it knows how to deal with the information. Yeah, but it's also formatting it as well so that it all fits. Mm -hmm. So 401 unauthorized, to simplify this, think of it as you're trying to get into a nightclub and the web server is inside of the club and you have the door. You knock on the door and a little slot opens up his two eyes. They're like, yes, password. So you don't have the access codes. So the doorman says, you can't enter. And then you go, well, why can't I go? Why can't I enter? And they say 401 unauthorized, which means you do not have the authorizations. You don't have the username and password as one example. Hope that makes sense. Probably made it worse. But let's move on. So you can get all of these various status codes, the 400 group being when you have done something wrong. In this case, either you were not an authenticated person, you're not who you're claiming to be, or you just didn't have authorization to access what you're trying to access. Why do we break all of this down? We like to see how it could possibly apply to what's happening in the episode. And maybe looking at future titles will give us clues of what's going to happen later on down the road. I mean, there could be multiple instances in the premiere, namely when Elliot is trying to hack his way into the information given in Lomax's emails to find out what can he use as leverage against White Rose. He does manage to get some good information, also some of it false. We'll get into that more later. It's interesting to see that Elliot's mindset and actions have shifted already starting off with this first episode. He's a lot more reckless moving forward without thinking so much. In the past, he's been a little bit more logical and rational and it's Mr. Robot kind of pushing the agenda, but they've switched roles a bit here and it winds up getting Elliot into trouble. When he decides he doesn't want to take time, he wants to push forward full steam ahead, he falls right into a trap. But backing it up a little bit more, another major factor in our episodes is the music and the scoring, how that sets the tone. As usual, we have the amazing scoring by Mac Quayle, but then we also get two important songs. One earlier on when we're seeing the cityscape in the background, kind of haunting rendition of Little Drummer Boy. And then later on, Don't Worry, Be Happy. <laughs> Don't worry, be happy in an, in an opportune time. <laughs> a great reminder that I had, because it's been two years since we watched Mr. Robot, is how great the cinematography is and how great the score is. Never mind the acting and the storytelling, of course. There's only a few shows that we actually discuss the music in the background, and this is one of them, because it means so much and it adds so much to every scene. So I'm very happy to be seeing it again and be reminded of it. As well as the sound effects, there's a great example when Elliot's falling into the honeypot trap. He goes to the apartment building. From the time he walks through the front entrance, you start to hear ticking. Mm. And that's been a symbol to indicate White Rose in the past, her obsession with time. It carries through all the way until he gets to the door of the room they're going into. Just multiple signs all over the place when he's treading into White Rose territory to tell us, the viewer, this is going to be bad things. A couple of fun facts. Did you notice some of the cameos that we had yeah, here? we had quite a bit. Right away, I knew it was Sam Asmel from the back of his head. Yeah, that one was <laughs> actually a little bit distracting to me because he is so recognizable. Not for me. 
All I could think throughout that whole scene was, it's Sam Esmail. Sam Esmail is here. I couldn't even pay attention. It was supposed to be one of the most dramatic moments. <laughs> but the other one I actually didn't notice on first viewing, one of the people singing Christmas carols. Oh, I hate you. You saw that? That was supposed to be... I kept it silent on purpose because I wanted to surprise you with that. Oh, man. And I didn't catch it. I know her and I love her. We're talking about actress Emmy Rossum, who's married to Sam Esmail. Of course made famous most recently by the show Shameless, but I've loved her since the day after tomorrow. <laughs> I thought this was beautiful because she was the center of the chorus and everyone was probably freaking out that Mr. Robot was talking to us this time. Mm-hmm. She was front and center, but not distracting. But I saw her face and I knew right away. I was like, oh my God. And it's quite beautiful, especially considering that this is such a passion project for Sam Esmail, that his final season... He's going to get himself in there and his wife. Also touching, we saw the episode was dedicated to Steve Golan. If you're not aware, he was the founder and CEO of Anonymous Content, the production studio behind Mr. Robot. He passed away from cancer just this past April. We also get an idea of time frame, always an ongoing question with Mr. Robot. The episode starts off exactly where the last one ended, October 2015. But then after those opening scenes, we jump to the night of December 21st. We mostly transition. This episode takes place in December 22nd. Now, we believe this is going to be a lead up to Christmas Day. So that's something I'm going to keep track of. Is it three days that we're looking at for this whole 13 episode span, December 22nd to the 25th? There seems to be a power in threes with this show (laughs) that I'm going to bring up again later. Let's jump into our synopsis. The episode opens up on a recap of where we left off last season. We see Angela speaking to Price outside of the house. We've just found out that Philip is her father. But almost seamlessly, we move into new content. And it was hard for me to even realize that. I'm going, okay, recap, recap. Wait a second. Did we see Angela say that Mm -hmm. last time? And then I dove into my computer and furiously started taking notes because I realized we haven't seen this. It's the back half of the conversation with Angela tearfully expressing regret for her actions And Price saying she must accept she's been conned. Angela pushes back, saying he's wrong. White Rose's project is true. It works. And she knows how to take it from her. She wants retribution. Price pleads that he's been trying to protect her, but if she doesn't back off, he can't do that. And when she won't, he walks away upset, ripping off the wire he's been wearing. And we see two agents in the background close in on Angela and shoot her. This scene was beautiful. And to reiterate the fact that they were able to bring in what happened before directly into what's happening now. Talk about music. They did it very well. I watched it the second time knowing what to expect. And at first they had the previously on type of music. And then a quarter way into the previously on ending, they went to a more calmer beat. So it didn't feel jarring. And then that calmer beat kept playing once you got into the what's happening now. And then that slowly faded away. And I think that helped tie it down really well. And one of our Facebook clatchers, Josh, right away wrote to us, that opening was amazing. They blended the recap and start so seamlessly that I couldn't even tell when the show actually started. Then that major death to start off, it's like they started off at 100 miles per hour and never let go of the gas. Definitely one of my favorite episode beginnings ever. Have we ever seen that in another show? I know that it's very common to do cold openings, and we are, in fact, going to get that all the way through the White Rose thing until Mm -hmm. the opening Drummer Boy song, but I've never seen the blend of previously on with current content. Me neither. That's the first time I've seen it, personally. 
And one thing to note, cold opening, we don't see any Elliot or Mr. Robot. Yes. Well, who are the power players currently? Price always thought that he was, but it's becoming more and more clear just how far ahead White Rose is of everyone. I mean, you can see as Price walks away from this exchange just how helpless he's feeling. He goes inside and smashes, what is it, a vase? Something that we can't afford, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then he receives the call from White Rose. She's trying to calm him down at first, saying it's not his fault, Angela made her choice, but he just says, you're psychotic. It's all psychotic. He's very emotional. And for one of the first times that I can remember, maybe there was certain instances where Price felt human to me or not the devil. This was definitely one of them, which I think is on purpose. And we'll dive into this more later. But you start off the season making us side with Price. And that's definitely on purpose. We feel for him. And we agree with his feelings at this moment. He's tried everything to keep Angela alive. And you can see the panic. I love this actor. He's amazing. You can see the panic in his voice and his face kind of shaking, trying to say, don't say that. Or when he ripped off the wire initially. Mm. Just the anger, the upset in his eyes. Now, in the past, we've known White Rose isn't good. She has these incredibly dark agents, the dark army. Very large thorns. It's almost like a cult, the way they follow her, whether it's out of fear, everything we saw happen with Irving and Dom being recruited, Santiago taken out last season, or because of their belief, like Angela herself, what she still felt about Mm -hmm. White Rose's project. And we're going to dig into that all episode long because it's something that has particularly interested me in listening back to our coverage of the season three finale. I really enjoyed what was happening between Elliot and Mr. Robot, but was a little disappointed that we didn't get more answers to what the heck is White Rose up to. Yeah. And it's caused theories that get as wild as crazy sci-fi stuff, time travel, being able to literally bring people back from the dead to this is just a form of manipulation and control that White Rose can use to keep her power and anything in between. And we still really have no idea where the truth is going to fall. I think that I'm excited for that payoff. Talk about cinematography while Price is doing that walk away. So we have the whole conversation that's happening with Price and Angela. We're settling in. We're realizing, oh, my God, okay, oh, it's not previously on anymore. We see Angela start saying, well, we have to get him back. And Price is saying, don't say that. Just take your losses. She stands up and he goes, I wish you wouldn't have said that. And we see her look up into the distance. And I'm like, oh, Dark Army's there. But they don't allow us to see the Dark Army to the point where I'm starting to second guess myself like, wait, would, maybe the Dark Army isn't there, perhaps? But no, they have to be there. And then as Price is walking away, they sit on Price for a long time where it's almost uncomfortable before you even see the Dark Army start to walk down. Now, that's the <laughs> first time I felt it. The second time when I knew what was happening, I heard the door close or open and close from his house. So they were in there that whole time. Yeah, but even the camera indicating from the moment Angela makes that key statement, it's over for her because she's just receding further and further into the Mm -hmm. background. Her moment of actual death is so blurred and far away. It's just because you know what's going to happen, but she's already in the past. It's moved on. The present is with Price, Mm. at least we think. Now, I know this is very early on to get into wild speculation, but based on what happens at the end of the episode, we have to at least conjecture, is there a possibility that Angela is still alive or able to be brought back through whatever project White Rose is working on? Angela certainly believed she's going to bring my parents back. 
I think last season I was I was starting to believe that, but right now at this time I don't think so. One because I know this is the final season, and I don't think Sam's going to end it with a happy ending. I think he's kind of wink winked and not made fun of, but made fun with happy endings with the '90s TV shows, things like that. I I don't believe this is going to turn into a good good story. Well, not necessarily a happy ending, but do you think it could go as far sci-fi as we have sometimes wondered? Like a parallel dimension where she's still alive? Right. Or a time travel thing or a matrix type of scenario that Angela is only killed here in the virtual world mm. that we're seeing. I oh. mean, we, we've talked about it all yeah. and it's it's not likely. The thing is, whatever the more likely reason is, I have even less of an idea. I don't know how White Rose could get these people to believe so much of what she's saying, and yet none of it, it's patently false. How does that happen? I need to see (laughs) some of that take place so that I can understand. In the meantime, though, we do know this is a huge kick in the ass for Price. He's now on the same train of thought Angela was on a few moments ago. He's going to get retribution against her. At least we think. We know he's very scared. Or he doesn't feel like they could take White Rose over. Mm-hmm. And yet we have the bizarre scene at the end of the episode we'll talk about later. Here we shift right over to seeing White Rose at her place. And an assistant coming to tell her there's an update on the shipment hack from Elliot. It will grant them the clearance they need. But by the end of the year, they have to wait two more months. This is a jump backward. What we're seeing with White Rose was in October. So it's going to work. Whatever he did, they're going to get that clearance. It's just going to take some time. And the assistant says, the thing is that Elliot is a wretch that can't be trusted. Man, she really hates him. (laughs) She thinks he needs a reminder. So White Rose agrees that once he serves his purpose, he can be terminated. And in the meantime, they should tell him what's at stake if there is any interference. Now, if you want to attribute what happens at the end of the episode to this, White Rose saying he needs a reminder, let's let him know. Why would she wait so long? This was in October, and what happens with Elliot at the end here is December 22nd. Yeah. So I don't think that that's related. No. Do we want to get in on this right now? No, just (laughs) do you think she's ultimately behind? Well, I'm afraid to say no, because in the past when we thought this was something happening with White Rose being none the wiser, we realized, no, White Rose was involved in that too. She knows all. But the fact that we've seen Price lose his shit for a woman that we've finally realized at the end of last season, uh, the reason why he was being this way with her and giving her so much, so much, I am more apt to say that Price could probably be trying to do something behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. I think I agree with you. We then close the cold opening. We get that drummer boy song. We're panning through the city at Christmas time. We know that time has passed. There is a time stamp at one point that says December 22nd. That's where we're getting that information from. And then the episode proper begins at the holiday party of Lomax and Looney Law, where Freddie Lomax receives a package with a thumb drive. It's a blackmail video, proof of his pedophilia, and he receives a call instructing him to follow orders or the video will go to the FBI. This actor is, of course, Jake Busey. And he's done a lot of movies or TV shows playing this kind of character. So for a second, I was like, wait, do we know this character? Have we seen this character? Well, most recently, the last season of Stranger Things, where he plays a sleazy reporter. That's right, yeah. 
And it felt <laughs> very, very similar. I was getting flashbacks to that. But I didn't mind because he does it so well. And he really conveys this feeling of panic escalating as he sees the blackmail that they have on him and then starts following the instructions that Elliot's giving him. He tells him to copy the .pst file. Now, this is all of his personal emails from the folder file in Outlook. Well, .pst stands for personal storage table. But this is where the show makes everything confusing. Basically, he's saying save all of your emails to this right. drive. If we can put it in layman's terms. I know a lot of people watching this have advanced technological knowledge. I do not. So I am confused for five minutes trying to figure out hmm. the PST and the this there. He wants all of his emails. Why does he want that? He's got sensitive client information on there because he's an attorney. And there's probably going to be some financial stuff. We find out later that's true. Elliot's looking for a way that he could potentially get over on White Rose. Now, Freddie doesn't know it yet. At the end of the conversation, he tells him, this is Mr. Robot. And it's Christian Slater when he's saying that. But I don't know that we've actually ever heard him say those words aloud. <laughs> it gave me chills watching it. Just as a fun aside, there is a website that Mr. Robot and USA Network created called LomaxLooneyLaw.com. There's not a lot going on there. There's a couple things you can click that will take you to Mr. Robot site or other things. It says you can get free consultations and ice cream <laughs> just to prove how weird and skeezy this place is. But also eCoin accepted. So they're going to start drilling that message down that it's really a format society has shifted to. Oh, yeah. And this is something Mr. Robot has been doing for so long now incorporating the actual internet in the real world and doing little Easter eggs like this, like an actual landing page to a website. Yeah, go on a hunt for a loony <laughs> law firm. You can find it. Additionally, though, when he gets into the cab or the Uber, whatever he's taking, the TV screen is saying, the 5-9 reversal leads to historic gains. Consumer confidence and job reports spur market rally. Shows confidence in CTO Tyrell Wellick, all thanks to their e-coin. Over the course of the series, we have gotten a lot of updates that way by seeing a TV screen in the background and reading the news crawls, what mm. they're telling us, because yeah. we don't often get to see society at large, how this is really impacting day to day, the average person. It's been a minor complaint from some people in the past. Our lens is so narrowed down mostly to what Elliot is seeing that we don't really get an idea of what's happening. But that and some other tidbits of information let us know that since the 5-9 hack has been reversed, things are kind of going back to normal and people are getting back on their feet. After that, Freddie is talked through Grand Central Station, told to buy a ticket home as Dark Army men begin to follow him. On screen, what we're seeing, it appears as though Mr. Robot is following him through the station the whole time. But we realize he is symbolic of the cameras throughout the station that Elliot is watching him on. I don't know that we've ever seen that done in quite that way. There's a lot of great visual portrayals, stuff that's meant to confuse us, mm -hmm. stuff that is just interesting as far as when do we see Rami Malek versus Christian Slater on screen. But here, Christian is almost the embodiment of technology, the tool that Elliot uses. I really enjoyed seeing Christian being the main antagonist. It's always been Elliot pulling the main theme. I forgot to say when you were talking about when Mr. Robot first calls Freddy, that reminded me of the first episode ever with Mr. Robot when Elliot goes into that restaurant and he's talking to the owner of the shop, telling him that he knows that he has a child pornography server. I like the little winks 
the little wink winks back to the beginning of everything. Yeah, I even wondered for a second, is he going back to his old ways mm. of social engineering to take down smaller fish? I mean, you know, who is this guy, Freddie Lomax of the law firm? Perhaps he just needs to do something that feels under his control. I wasn't sure at this point how it was going to tie yeah. into the larger picture. But now we know he's going back to what he knows to get the bigger information that he needs to infiltrate the bigger company. To get the big fish. Going back to the scene we're at now with Christian or Mr. Robot telling Freddy where to go, what to do. At first I had an idea. The fact that Mr. Robot wasn't wearing Bluetooth earbuds. It was the wired Apple earbuds. I was like, oh, does that mean he doesn't trust Bluetooth? So he's being extra careful. But then I remember this is 2015 and they don't have earbuds yet. Mm -hmm. So that's why. So it wasn't, a, <laughs> it wasn't something I picked up. But how amazing is that, that he is almost the embodiment of that part of Elliot's persona living within the technology. Mm. We're seeing Christians later, but it's just his eyes throughout the camera. It's the first sign of how Elliot is compartmentalizing. And we're going to talk about that later because it is different from a total dissociation the way we have seen in the past with parts of his personality. Here, as Freddie makes it to track 19, the last car, he finds Elliot waiting for him. We won't dig into this, but we get another little Easter egg in the background with the Shift Plus Control poster, <laughs> their fun version in-universe of a hacking TV show. And then Freddy pulls a gun on Elliot, but is quickly convinced killing him would mean his information is leaked to his family. Elliot hunts through the man's files for information and finds that one of his clients, Ji Zhang, has been using shell corporations to move money around namely through Cyprus National Bank. This is her heart, he thinks. If he steals the money, he can win the war. Freddy tries to insist he is just a paper pusher and doesn't know anything. But he has the name of a contact who might, John Garson. Now, knowing what we know after watching the whole episode, the face Freddy makes while he starts saying that makes a lot more sense mm -hmm. because that was a distress call, basically. I don't know what else to do. Here's my distress call. Yeah, but I thought that Freddie was just super nervous in the moment because he really doesn't want this information to be leaked to anybody. So oh, he's yeah, the first freaking time. out. The first time I felt that for sure. And that's when Elliot realizes the Dark Army has been tracking Freddie through this Bluetooth ID that he's wearing. And he rushes both of them out of the train. He wants to go back to the office to get the info on Garson. But once they're outside, Freddie realizes Elliot can't protect him from the Dark Army. There's nothing he can do. So he shoots himself. Oof. Just the stakes incredibly Two upped. Two deaths already. Right? I think it also acted as a message to us or as a reminder that Elliot and Mr. Robot don't have as much control as we used to think he does. He doesn't have the power to do what we hope he can do. So this is going to be a difficult task. And he's wrong. This whole lead, <laughs> he thinks he's getting everything he's sacrificed to get the information out of Freddy. Yeah. Winds up meaning nothing. It gives you a defeated feeling. That just escalates as the episode goes on. Elliot is so smart, and yet he's being outwitted at every turn. But next, we slow things down for a quick look, really quick, first on Tyrell, how things are going as the new CTO of Ecorp. He's being hailed as a hero, credited with undoing the 5-9 hack and spearheading a loan program using the company's Ecoin currency. But we see the job is exactly what Price warned him it would be. Yeah. Just a figurehead position where he's being worked to death, attending meetings as the face of the company. Tyrell's living his own hell because this is everything he ever wanted. Season one and two, this is what he was working for. This is all he cared about. But now he has it without his family. He's lost everything. 
and it's a and pointless position. He doesn't even position. have the power. <laughs> That's going to go somewhere eventually, but we don't get more now. We shift gears again to getting a look at how bad it's been for Dom. She's hiding out upstairs in her mother's house where she's staying, paranoid about the Dark Army. She winds up pulling a gun on a renovator who's just there to fix the bathroom, or at least we think, and we find out she's been insisting on vetting anyone who comes into the house. It makes her look like she's losing it. And yet, that later turns out to be a smart move. Her mother invites someone named Janice over to the house for dinner. We find out she's trying to set her up with Dom. And when Dom walks her out to the car, Janice suddenly flips the switch, warning Dom she has to do the interview about Santiago in the morning. She's been putting it off for weeks, and it's starting to look suspicious. What did you say? I was just explaining that unless you go to work tomorrow and finish cleaning up Santiago's mess, then I'm going to be forced to do something very bad to your mother. Like, really bad, you know? Like, I'm probably going to have to slitter from mouth to cunt. You touch my mom, I will strangle you to death. You understand me? And man, I did not see this coming at all. I thought it was her mom being kind of quirky, not having a great read on the situation. Hmm. This woman, Janice, seems so sweet and harmless. And then all of a sudden, boom, this is what you've been afraid of. The Dark Army is just following you, watching your every move. We had speculated all last season what had brought Santiago to the point he wound up in. Dom was so quick to judge him. Why didn't he try harder? Why didn't he do something different when they first try to convert her? She's kind of up on a moral high horse. I'm never going to do this. I'm never going to listen to you. But we find out she really has no choice. She has no agency. None at all. It's another one of our characters who has no control over White Rose. And Janice is another Irving. So smooth and like powerful. It would scare the shit out of me. But she seemed really harmless when we yeah. first started it off. You're not going to suspect her. Remember Irving when he was on the phone, he was in line to get food. And we were like, oh, he seems like a cool dude. At well, Red Wheelbarrow, yeah. right? Yeah, genius. We also see, I really like this, Elliot and Mr. Robot have now set up shop in the abandoned office of Allsafe. They're examining this huge board they've created with people linked to White Rose at the center. Robot wants to do the research on Garson, the social engineering, the way they've been doing. But Elliot thinks that will take too long. They're running out of time. By next week, White Rose will ship her project and they'll be dead. They need to move forward now. He makes an interesting comment at the end of that little speech. He says, plus, Freddie had it coming. They all do. That's a shift in the Elliot outlook from what we've seen. Feeling really bad for his actions, for innocent bystanders who have gotten caught up in this, and even people that are agents of White Rose but have no choice in the matter. You know, what was Freddie going to really do about this? He's an awful person. Don't get me oh, wrong. Yeah. But as far as White Rose's control over him, he is yet another pawn. And Elliot here saying, well, they deserve it. Well, what we know about Elliot is he's really good at this point of compartmentalizing everything. And in that compartmentalizing, I think he's also grown sour. And I think a piece of his humanity is gone as well. And it seems like that worries me a lot. It's actually Mr. Robot who steps in and says, don't do this for the wrong reasons. You're angry, and I get it, but your anger is keeping you from seeing the bigger picture. Why we started this thing. This used to be about saving the world, but you're making it personal and letting your feelings cloud your judgment. Elliot insists people are already forgetting the 5-9 hack and the bombings. They're buying their 
e-coin discounted stocking stuffers and Christmas hams, and they're gonna forget. And I don't blame them. They're exhausted. I'm exhausted. But we let this go. It'll be back to business as usual for White Rose and her friends. The more she gets away with this, the worse this gets. So fuck my feelings. I'm done with the therapy sessions. This is all I'm focused on. I thought we were moving towards a better place. I don't want to know what this means for Elliot. We have gotten these speeches in the past about what the object of Elliot's disgust, targeting, whatever is broken, you know, fuck society, Mm. fuck God. Oh, yeah, we've seen that. That was a good scene. Here, fuck my feelings, you know, (laughs) yet another I'm just going to tightly kind of put these things into boxes and I don't want to get to that psychological conversation yet. We will. But he is right. We do see people... Moving on, and if he doesn't continue to strike now, it might not make a difference. The problem is, how does he plan on doing that? What is he going after? And we'll see that he should have listened to Mr. Robot's warnings. Moving forward too quickly on this puts him in a terribly bad spot. Absolutely. And at this point, Mr. Robot isn't willing to take over because they're working together. Which, by the way, did you enjoy the fact that they're working together finally? Yeah, I said this at the end of last season that they are certainly nowhere near integrated yet, but they're kind of a team and they're switching back and forth a lot easier and more quickly than we've seen in the past. Utilizing each other's strengths. That's really going to come to the forefront in the next scene, his conversations with Darlene. I had never seen that happen quite that way before, how we were jumping in and out depending on who was capable of handling it in the moment or who is best suited to that. I absolutely loved it myself. I feel like they're stronger if they're working together, using each other's strengths. We're just not all the way there yet. Mr. Robot is trying to make that happen, trying to be a team player. Elliot's not shutting him out anymore, but it feels like he's very much using him. This Mm. is more manipulative. He's not totally trying to work with him. But I hope this continues to grow. I don't want them to be at odds with each other again. We've seen that. I want to see what they can do together throughout this season. Yeah, so instead of seasons past where Mr. Robot is a completely split-off part of the personality, dissociated, now he's more of a defense mechanism. You keep Mm -hmm. drawing me into this conversation. Not yet. Before that, Darlene is freaking out. Where it's been Elliot down and out in the past, really psychologically off the deep end, and Darlene needing to step in and say, we got to get this under control. Now the roles are reversed. She asks Elliot over where she tells him she's convinced... She saw Angela at a homeless shelter, but then lost her. They have to look for her. Elliot says she's just fucked up on all the coke she's doing and needs to accept that Angela is dead. He actually gives a lot of that conversation to Mr. Robot to deal with, but then he comes in right at the very end. He feels bad for her. When she leaves, Mr. Robot wonders why he didn't just show her the photo that White Rose sent them confirming Angela was shot. But Elliot thinks he couldn't do that. It would have broken her heart. So these scenes right here did so much, and it was a short scene, but it did so much for us. One, it let us know where and what Darlene's been up to and how she is mentally. We're like, oh man, she's not stable right now. It also informed the viewers that Elliot and Mr. Robot know exactly what happened to Angela. It's like, oh, okay, so they do know the the Mm -hmm. truth. 
Because I was wondering, like, is this going to become an egg hunt for someone that we already know is dead? Which I'm glad it didn't. Or another huge blow to his psyche. How does Angela being dead not impact Elliot more than this? Compartmentalizing. Man. But even more fun was to see the way they played Mr. Robot and Elliot off of each other. Elliot made a face like, you take over this. I don't want to deal with this. (laughs) Ghost sits on the couch and there is Mr. Robot taking the load for now. I love that. Yeah, and you think it's because he's going to be caring. But like I said, it's Elliot that steps back in at the end. He can't deal that death blow to her. He knows what that feels like, and he won't do it to Darlie. Even even though it's dangerous to allow her to keep having some false hope that Angela might be alive, it's better than her seeing that photo at this point in time. Maybe. I mean, she looks pretty bad. Later on, we see she's having a party at Angela's house, which is weird to begin with. I think she moved in there. She did, but that's strange, given the mental state she's in right now. Mm. And the place is still set up the way wacky Angela had with all the pictures all over the place. She's taking increasing amounts of drugs to the point that when her friend comes in, she gives her more. Or whatever, whatever you have. Darlene doesn't even know what it is. Yeah, trying to escape. Yeah. And she finds someone going through Angela's closet. She snaps. She yells at everyone to leave. And then flings herself down on the bed and just cries. That's why parties are never good at your house. Because inevitably there'll be people you don't know there. And they're going to go through, they're going to trifle through your stuff. That's not even your stuff. Yeah. Either they still defer to her having power in this relationship or they're just scared because she's completely losing it in that moment. They all do book it out of there. Do you believe that we're going to have a whole season with Darlene off the rails? I hope not. Well, if we are correct that this is taking place over the course of three days from now until Christmas, uh, I don't know what's going to happen that she's going to have a quick turnaround from this state of mind. And I don't think characters like her are going to be the main focus, which Mm. I would be happy about. I want the main focus to be on Elliot, Mr. Robot, White Rose. And Price. Yeah, just keep Tyrell and Darlene as much as I love her. They're great characters, but... Keep them a little in the background because this is the final season and we need to see mostly the main players. Yeah. Right? I think Leon is going to be the chess piece that we don't see coming. You are holding out hope. I don't even know if we're ever going to see Leon or Irving again. No Irving, but Leon will be there. Hmm. Well, now let's move into the really big culminating scenes with Elliot and Mr. Robot. Next, we get our moment. Mr. Robot turns to the camera instead of Elliot and speaks to us. He says, I know we don't usually do this, but I I have to fill you in if you want. That's why you're back, isn't it? To help? You gotta be noticing it then, too. But he's not talking to you. He doesn't talk to me that much, either. Not since Angela died. Darlene's right. He's shutting down. Compartmentalizing the pain. Living in the distraction. Just like the holidays, the fake Santas, the plastic trees, the annoying Christmas carols, one big song and dance production to sell ourselves the theater that everything's jolly, at least for a moment. But when it's all over, Santa's gone back to his shitty day job. The trees get disassembled and thrown in a closet. The music's faded away. What then? That's why you can't go anywhere. I know he's keeping you away, but I'll let you in. 
Don't think I'm doing it for you, though. Let's be clear. I still don't give a shit about you. But, but he, he does. does. And right now, he needs you more than he lets on. When that brutal reality closes in on us, he's going to need a friend. And that's still what you are, isn't it? First of all, I watched that scene so many times. The little nuance that Christian Slater does. He doesn't really look at us. He glances at us and makes a subtle face and then starts narrating to us while he's looking at Elliot. I know that's so tiny, but it was done so well and meant even more. Also, I know that I'm very easy. With House of Cards, whenever they would speak to us and break the fourth wall, it always worked with me, and they would stare straight at us, which I love as well. But this little nuanced thing, I think, carried way more weight. It's exciting. It brings you into the experience and makes you feel like you're interacting more. My question has been and continues to be, are they doing that on purpose to throw us off? You get so pumped up about it. You're thinking, well, that's who we are. We're the friend. We're this Hmm. other individual that we never get to see right off screen. But I've never believed that. Most people have speculated there is some other personality, some other being other than Mr. Robot that Elliot turns to, and we haven't figured out who it is yet. And it's not us. Not us, the viewer. We represent some other person that because we're behind the camera, we don't get to see. And going along with this magic number of three, having three facets to Elliot's personality would make sense. However, this additional clue for Mr. Robot is new. I still don't give a shit about you, he says. He doesn't like us. And that doesn't really tend to be his personality. So who could we possibly be that Elliot sometimes shuts out, sometimes lies to Mr. Robot doesn't really like, but if he goes down, we all go down. Maybe it could be an embodiment of someone else in Elliot's childhood. Or, and I don't believe this, but I want to say it, what if he's White Rose? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we've pondered people like Darlene, because we know that he does forget her sometimes. Mm. He does close her out of certain things, yet she forces him to remember But I don't think it would be somebody currently living. And if we follow that logic, Angela only just died, so it couldn't be her either. During the reveal in the last episode of this season and of the show, it will show that it's actually two people on microphones and it's you and I. (laughs) Well, if the one side of it is his father, wouldn't it make logical sense the other side is his mother? And if she was actually the abusive one... It would make sense for Mr. Robot to say, I don't give a shit about you. Wow. I like that. Which is something that we could do without having to spend too much time later. Mm-hmm. You know, just get the reveal. We don't have to go too far into, we kind of have the backstory on both of his parents. But I don't know what benefit she provides to Elliot's psyche. The internal object that is Mr. Robot, Elliot's dad, makes sense in a lot of ways. In real life, he actually was... A caring guy that was good for Elliot. Not all that nonsense that we thought in the beginning. He didn't really push him out of a window. And yet he's smart. He has the ability to take control and make decisions when Elliot can't to hold some of that moral ambiguity. I wonder what aspects of his mother could possibly be useful for him. Now, we've been talking about it. Here's the time we can dig into it. There is a difference in psychological terms to dissociation, what Elliot used to do in seasons past. This is a central defense mechanism. Both of these are. A defense mechanism being a way that your brain can protect itself against thoughts, feelings, experiences that are just too difficult to fully process. Dissociation provides mental escape when physical escape is impossible. So take, for instance, a child who is abused 
cannot get away from that situation and yet mm. can't sit in the reality of it or it would break them, their mind has to go off somewhere else. That's a way to cope and deal with it. And if taken to the extreme, could eventually start to split off entirely. And that produces these multiple personalities, as we used to call them, but really just the mind kind of fracturing off into segments. It may produce lapses in memory, forgotten personal information, a sense of disconnection and detachment from self and emotions, and a blurred sense of identity. So there isn't this feeling, Mr. Robot and I are the same, they're two completely different people. When he's in control, I will lose those periods of time, I won't remember what I did, and we were seeing that in seasons one and two. Compartmentalization, however, is another form of escape, usually from trauma, that occurs when aspects of psychological functioning aren't linked together. So opposing views or behaviors can be held separately in order to avoid uncomfortable feelings. If there's conflicting values, beliefs, emotions, mm. you know, I went through with this 5-9 hack, all of these people died. I can't live with that moral decision. We've talked about that in podcasts past. So I didn't do it. Mr. Robot did it, mm -hmm. right? That's that segmenting off. There is still the sense that that person is a part of me. I just, I don't want to link to it. I don't really want to deal with it. I'll put it over there. But it's not like I've forgotten him or failed to acknowledge him entirely. I guess you could say it is a step better. It's an a sign of improvement, but it's still not really healthy. It's keeping Elliot alive under a time of stress where he's not able to totally deal with everything yet. Back to our episode, Elliot goes to the apartment building where he thinks he's going to find Garson. These scenes were so cool. I didn't see this coming. No, but as we mentioned, because of that ticking sound, the feeling that we're getting, something is not quite right. And once they enter the apartment, we know this is bad news, right? There's dust everywhere. Nobody's actually living here. They're dropping clues the whole time. This is the quietest apartment building ever. There's even a tag on one of the lamps still. <laughs> it appears as though Mr. Robot sort of knows from the jump, but Elliot's just not listening. He tries to tell them and he wants that he wants to leave. They were just supposed to own his Wi-Fi. It's Elliot that instructs him to search everything now that they're here. He's spiraling. On the shelves, it's interesting to note there is the book, we'll get to in a second, but also a couple of others, The Group, America 2, The White Sail, The Last of the Mohicans. Esmail loves to put in little things like this. Those are just fun nods, but No Exit, the book that Elliot locates and pulls out, might have a deeper meaning. Now, we could just be looking too far into things the way we always do here at CKC, but we have to talk about it for a second, right? I mean, this is the book where Elliot finds the fictional character of Garson and realizes it was all a lie. That was just a distress signal. If you're not as familiar, No Exit is a 1944 existentialist French play. I'm going to try to say it in my French by Jean-Paul Sartre. However, you can just call him Sartre. We don't have to make it difficult. The original title is the French equivalent of the legal term in camera, referring to a private discussion behind closed doors, which I think is interesting given what we're seeing. The play begins with three characters who find themselves waiting in a mysterious room. It winds up being the depiction of the afterlife, where three deceased people are punished by being locked in a room together for eternity. This is where we get that famous quotation, hell is other people. And that's what they realize along the way. They are three damned souls, Joseph Garson, Inez Serrano, and Estelle Rigold. They are locked inside by a mysterious valet. Oh, kind of like the one downstairs watching this building. 
They had all expected torture devices to punish them forever, but instead they just find this plain room, kind of like the room we're in right now. At first, none of them will admit the reason for their damnation. Why are they here? Joseph said he was executed for being an outspoken pacifist, while Estelle insists a mistake was made. Inez, however, is the only one to demand they all stop lying to themselves and confess to their moral crimes. She refuses to believe they have all ended up in the room by accident and soon thinks they were placed together to make each other miserable. They are to be one another's torturers. Estelle, eventually gets infuriated, picks up a paper knife and repeatedly stabs her. Inez chides Estelle, saying they are all already dead and even furiously stabs herself to prove the point. Mm. So I I hate to get off into this territory again, but there's three characters... They're here just to torture each other. They're here because of their moral crimes that they can't own up to. <laughs> they won't even face it because it's so difficult, kind of the way Elliot's been doing this whole time. And eventually, one of them has to just say, we're already dead. This is already played out. We're just coming to reckon with the things that we've done. This is like our purgatory. Wow. And that just brings in a lot of our Clatcher's comments that we'll discuss later. But ugh. And the end of this episode... Right? I mean, we we have to go there, at least for a second. (laughs) We have to think about it. I don't want to think that this is all just happening within Elliot's mind. Although I don't see it that way if it plays out in this manner. It's not as though he had a drug overdose and was dreaming all of this. He's potentially in some kind of afterlife, dealing with the stuff that he did, what he created. Maybe White Rose is judge, jury, and executioner? It's not too far-fetched to believe. If you think about all the seasons and you think about the way your dreams work, he was in a psychiatric hospital, but was seeing himself in the real world, not there. But all know you were in the psychiatric episode. No, it Uh, was a jail. I was lying to you the whole time. so many things. Disconnecting from parts of his memory, his personality. I mean, isn't this the way that that would go if you're being forced to reckon with some of the deeds that you've done, relive some of your most difficult experiences? And one of the people with you is your father, who you had issues with in your real life. That is possible, and I think that's not one of those tropes where people will be pissed. I know I wouldn't be pissed. I actually think that's interesting. And if this third character, the only one that's willing to say we have to own up to this and realize it, is the one that brings the other two towards dealing with what they've actually done, Mm -hmm. killing herself to prove it, which makes me think of when Elliot and Mr. Robot got into that struggle and he was actually shot but he didn't die because it's not real. Maybe we are this third character and the reason we're not totally being brought in is because it's going to bring Elliot to that place of having to actually see everything for the first time and how difficult that's going to be. Now, the other alternative is it's not the afterlife. It's playing out in this life, but it's all a metaphor for him eventually integrating his psyche just as difficult. If he lets those parts of his personality in, he does have to fully absorb the memories and consequences of his actions I still think that could be really cool it's a train that we've been following that's yeah out there in the open and obvious but very cool to examine in this way well you being a therapist how good would you feel if it's revealed that he is alive but he's been in a therapist session back with Krista is it perhaps we haven't seen it could be someone else who in maybe he was being hypnotized in this sleep state a new therapist was introduced and this whole storyline progressed. Mm. And you can be like, therapy, bitch! (laughs) (laughs) 
for legal reasons, we must say that Christina doesn't do this to other people. <laughs> Make them relive these weird lives. No exit. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Really quick, we were talking about the power of three, the potential three sides to his personality, the fact that we might be looking at a three-day time span here from December 22nd to the 25th, and also the last time around that Elliot was forced into the back seat as Mr. Robot took control, mm. the memory he lost was of three days. Wow. Power of three. We learned that in foundations courses. It even has higher religious implications. I mean, we could go on and on with that. But bringing us back down to earth, let's finish this out. Elliot finally realizes they're in a honeypot room. The fictional Garson was just a character in the book, the distress signal Freddie sent up, and we see Elliot being dragged from the building on the security cameras. The men take him back to his apartment and tie him up. Desperate, Elliot pleads for them to send the message to White Rose. If she goes through with this, his shipping hack will go public and she won't be able to move her project. Now, this has happened a bunch with Elliot. His back is completely pushed up against the wall. We see no way out for him. And then he pulls the ace out of his sleeve (laughs) and says, wait, I already preempted this. There's a hack in progress. It'll be distributed if I'm killed. You need me. Does that still work for you, even though it's a thing that we've seen before with him? I, I mean, it is still kind of his only power, right? It works with me because it didn't work. Mm, okay. So it worked last time when they were in the woodshed or whatever yeah. where Irving was, but it, <clears throat> it doesn't really work this time. No. There's no text message from White Rose. Mm-hmm. And uncaring, the man with the needle, Sam Esmail, goes ahead and injects the drugs into Elliot's arm. They leave him for dead. His uh, final how dare you? Wait, you, didn't, you don't have what he says? His final words... If you let me finish the sentence. I'm sorry. <laughs> Our goodbye friend. Falling to the floor in an effort to reach the phone, he starts hallucinating. Who is he going to call? Ghostbusters. <laughs> I mean, really? Does he have anybody? Darlene, maybe? I don't know. To be honest with you, Dom? We haven't seen much interaction there. I think if he's mm. dying of a drug overdose, I can't think of anyone else other than... Irving? Darlene. White Rose. No, he doesn't have her number. He doesn't get to it anyway. He starts hallucinating. And this was another key thing. He sees his mother telling his father, it was your job to protect him, to protect us. He got too reckless. And if it keeps going, we'll all go away. That's what made me think of her as another side of it. Because Uh. in the last moments, he sees the two of them talking. And it's like, as much as you're mad at me, all of our existences are at stake here. Ooh, ooh. I just had an idea. What if the third person is him as a child? Because we constantly see him as a child. And he feels that his father killed or threw him out the window. I would see that more the dominant personalities are mom and dad. Okay. And him as a child is this is so psychobabble. I'm sorry, but his inner child that needs to be healed. Mm. And once we can put all those pieces together, we have a fully formed adult Elliot. But that could mean so much if we're the inner child when he's talking to us. Hello, friend. It could. I guess we would have to look back. It would make more sense if everything he's kept from us are things that could potentially be scary. He's what about trying to all the pivotal him. moments, though? We were with his father at the movie theater. Remember with the popcorn and all that? That was him as a kid. This point, when he's about to die, there's the kid there. I understand what I'm saying is if you go back and look, mm. a good clue could be 
are the things he shielded from us, things he would try to hide from a younger Elliot okay. so as to save pain. Yes, there we go. And I, I don't quite remember if all of that follows through, but it would be interesting to look at. After the hallucinations, he has flashes of his past. He sees his parents, Angela, Darlene, Shayla, all happier moments. A bad sign. <laughs> it seems as though all is over. In fact, the credits start coming up on the screen. But then we come back. Someone enters the room and sprays Narcan into Elliot's nose. It says, welcome back, Mr. Alderson. Now, however, these same men are led by Price, who stands over watching. Okay, so that someone was Sam Esmel. He came back in, put Narcan in there. I'm trying to no, I... avoid talking about him anymore. All right, so at first we thought it was a dark army, but the more I think about it, the dark army always wears the same thing. These guys were wearing suits, just like Price. Gray suits. It felt out of the ordinary. I was like, who are these guys? They're, they're acting... They don't just look like thugs. Right. They don't have the masks. They don't have the black outfits. Yeah, they don't always have masks, but I agree well, with yeah, you. Yeah. They, they appear different. Let me tell you, my initial impression was, I first thought it was the Dark Army, agents that White Rose had sent. And when they leave the room, somehow Price encounters them and manages to win them over to his side. But then I thought, why in the heck would White Rose have Elliot killed? She needs him Still. until this hack goes yeah. through. She wouldn't do that. So if you then assume they've been Price's men the whole time, what is the point of Price nearly killing Elliot with yeah. an overdose? Now, it is very, very risky. What if they couldn't revive him? If you're not too familiar with Narcan, the drug that's actually naloxone that they spray into his nose, it can reverse narcotic overdose. And its effectiveness is between 75 and 100%. So it's pretty good, but there still is a margin of error here yeah. that it could have failed. If Price needs him and he's part of his plan, why would he do that? That's a good question. This is one of the moments where I wish we had a microphone on us uh, after the episode when you and I are just talking because we got really passionate about this and we obviously we can't recreate it. To go off of your question, we already talked about at the top of this episode that maybe Price has been pushed a little too far this time and he's so emotional. They even made that joke, you know, don't be so emotional, you'll see it clearer if you're mm -hmm. not. Well, we see that he's not able to take the emotion out this time. We don't know. Maybe that drug was enough to knock him out, make him feel like he's almost dying. No, that was a heavy, heavy dose okay. that they were shooting into him. Like to the point that So you think you do have to wonder if the Nar the Narcan's gonna bring him back. I still think it's Price's people, but he was told by White Rose to do this. But then Price comes in last minute and goes, No. I can't have him dead. I need to get back at White Rose. I need him on my side. So I'm going to step in now. Yeah, this is my number one theory. I definitely agree with you. I subscribe to that, that killing him was a show so that White Rose would believe yes. he's dead. White Rose is listening in the way she always is somehow. And they have, we didn't see it, but disabled that before they come back in, shut down the cameras, ripped off the wire, whatever they did. So when they bring him back, she doesn't know. Mm -hmm. She thinks she's lost this tool of Elliot, which is a major blow to her if she can't get her hack to go through. And Price now has him secretly on his side. That totally works to Price's benefit, and it's the only chip maybe he has on the board that he can play with. And at this point, maybe Elliot has done enough where White Rose's people, who obviously hate Elliot, feel like they can take over from here. Because they're brilliant people as well. 
She was very nervous at the beginning of the episode, back in October when her assistant's saying, we need to deal with Elliot, mm-hmm. and she's saying, we still need him for the hack to go through. We'll just send him a message, and once that's done with, we can take him out. Now, we are at December 22nd, so how close have we gotten? Is it close enough? Mm. We don't really know for White Rose to feel confident. I think it's better if it throws her off kilter. That's probably what Price wants, that she's lost this major thing here that she needs, or at least she believes that. It would be kind of fun if over the next three days we have to hide Elliot and have him hacking oh, yeah, in next secret. 12 episodes, yeah. And we're, we're working on taking back over. It kind of fits in with the three days of lost time that we had in a previous episode, but this time Elliot's in control. We get to see all of it. And I can imagine some great scenes with Price and Elliot, just the way Price speaks and the way Elliot responds. I think that was would be very strong scenes. Mm. So this could be a lot of fun for what it implies in the future, what seems very confusing. Like, why did yeah. we just do a pointless cliffhanger and then reverse it. I think there's a lot more meaning that we don't know yet. And it's definitely not pointless. So what I'm putting down is that it's either Price was behind it the whole time. Those are Price's people. Obviously not the Dark Army. Or it's Price's people and he was pulling him out of the storyline to get back at White Rose. Or it is Price's people. He's acting in regards to White Rose's needs. But then last minute, Price comes in and says, I need him. I am done with White Rose. We need to get back at her. Yeah, either way, it's like staging a death. Yeah, which, exactly. Which makes a lot of sense. But we do have Clatchers who think that maybe this is a death and the next remaining scenes are afterlife. Right, which could kind of fit in with the theory that we were talking about before with the no exit book and the implications there. Or you could go all the way back to what we were saying in the beginning about Angela. Are all the characters that we lost in this episode really dead, but it's an example from White Mm. Rose that her project works and they're going to be brought back if she wants them to be. And I think that's the least likely that we're going super out there sci-fi. I do you think that they're going to save this reveal for whatever White Rose's project is till at least towards the very end? 12 I don't or think 13. We're yeah. getting that anytime soon. And that means it can't be overly complicated because they're not going to have enough time to explain it effectively. Which goes back to the simplification for this season. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, we say simpli- simplification, but this has been a hard podcast for us. Yeah, it leaves us with a lot of questions, most, most of which we've already tackled. Is Angela really dead? Who was behind the attack on Elliot and why did they do it? What is Price's plan now for retribution against White Rose? What is White Rose's project? Will it actually get moved? Are Elliot and Robot really integrating? And what will be the end result of that? And who are we, my friend? <laughs> well, is Angela really dead? I'm 90% sure, yes. The other ones, I have no idea. Hmm. <laughs> And that takes us to our robot rating for the episode. Jason, on a scale of 1 to 10, what do you give 401 Unauthorized? All right. So we've been podcasting for five and a half years, and I've learned that the first episode of our favorite shows, which we are podcasting about, I am gung-ho. But looking back at our first episode from season three, I was an 8.9. Really, really enjoyed this episode from beginning to end. It was so fast. No stupid commercials during it. I'm going 9.1. And the only reason why I'm going low is that... Low? Well, not (laughs) 9.9, is that um, low in the nines, I mean. Room to grow. Yeah, but 9.1 is still pretty high. Oh, that's really, really high. 
I gave episode one last season a nine. Most of mine were in the high eights and nines. I had an overall rating of an 8.9. I often chastise myself for this, but there is not much that I could take issue with in this episode. I thought it opened really strong. I was wavering a little in the long break in between, wondering how excited was I really to come back to Mr. Hmm. Robot, but this sealed the deal. I can't wait to podcast on it for the next 12 episodes. I'm going to give the premiere a nine. Nine robots. And on to MVH, our most valuable hacker. Every week after the episode, we ask our Clatchers via Twitter, who is your MVH? This week, our four options were Elliot, Mr. Robot, Price, and White Rose. Coming in tied for fourth and third place is Price and White Rose. Now, White Rose did a lot this episode, but it was behind the scenes. It was her pulling the puppet strings and... Let's be honest, we're a little mad at her right now. A so. little? <laughs> She's the worst. And Price is defeated right now. So obviously he's not going to win most valuable as far as putting the story forward. But I truly believe that we are going to get some prices this season. Yeah, Price and White Rose showdowns. And it's the first time maybe ever that I've been excited for Price as a character, which says a lot. Coming in second place with 29% is Elliot. He had a lot to do this time, but as we mentioned, made a bunch of mistakes, wound up failing in a lot of his endeavors, almost got himself killed by the end. It's not a great look for Elliot this episode. Inevitably, it wasn't. But the initial scenes with Elliot, it felt good to see him in control again. When he was on the train and he was controlling Freddy and it's Mr. Robot and Elliot working together, it felt like, yes, he's back to kicking ass and not just second guessing everything. Yeah, the problem is it all winds up being false. He's wrong. He doesn't get the information about Carson. Freddy winds up killing himself. All of this leads him directly into the honeypot that gets him captured. Yes. Poor Elliot, he is trying, but maybe if he was listening more to Mr. Robot, we'd be in a better place right now. And that takes us to our winner this week with 43% Mr. Robot himself. I think we're all excited to see Christian Slater on screen for so long and taking control while not being devious. Yeah, or pushing Elliot out of consciousness. He's trying his hardest to work together with him. And just to tell him, listen, maybe this isn't the right mm-hmm. move. Should we think about this for a second? So in the end, I think our Clatchers did really well because I'm going Mr. Robot as well. For reasons already stated, uh, maybe I'm easy, but I was really excited to see so much Christian Slater after last season where we didn't see too much of him. And even when we did see him, I was like, I'm not supposed to like him right now. He's not, <laughs> he's not going with what we want going on. He feels like the controlled personality right now. And we need him as much as Elliot needs him. Yeah, there's no other way for me to go. I have to give my MVH to Mr. Robot as well. I mean, Price comes in a close second just because of the abrupt turnaround that I'm feeling for him for the Mm -hmm. first time. I'm rooting for him to get retribution against White Rose, especially with the death of Angela. Interestingly enough, I gave the MVH to Angela last season, episode one, and you gave it to Elliot. It's fun to see how things change. Let's see what our Clatchers had to say about it. Lewis wrote in to say, this episode was awesome. Glad we got more of Mr. Robot in this. The way they switched back and forth was done perfectly. I agree with that. It was so seamless to the point where sometimes it felt like, are there two of them? I think we're all eager to see them working together. Nathan says when Elliot gets locked in Garson's room, he picks up the book No Exit. 
I was familiar with the writer but never read it, so I wikied the story knowing the show wouldn't pick a book by accident. Not only are the play's characters punished by being locked in a room, but the book is famously known for the phrase, hell is other people, which is about the, quote, perpetual struggle of being caused to see oneself as an object from the view of another's consciousness. Elliot, question mark? <laughs> and we went into all of that before. I absolutely agree. I don't think it's an accident. And even if it doesn't wind up being a complete description of our end game, I think it'll play in in some way. And Nathan, good job with that, because right away you were messaging us in regards to that book. And we knew that book was important, but we didn't do our research yet. You were right on it. Maurizio says, awesome open to the series. Can't wait for the podcast. Oren says, Elliot is obvious, but Price saved his life and set things in motion for this season. Well, that's true. Yeah. And Maurizio, thank you for loving our podcast. Let your friends know about us because we're coming on a little late and we're hoping that we still get the numbers. Oh, and that's key to jail. Yeah, Maurizio. I didn't recognize. Wow. He keeps changing everything <laughs> What are you, Elliot and Mr. Robot? Yeah, he is. <laughs> Sunny MC says, what an amazing episode, a shocking beginning. So many references to the first season. The show starting with Elliot going after a pedo. We see all safe office and Angela's ballet slippers. Then Sam freaking Esmail giving Elliot the drugs and saying, goodbye, friend. Oh, absolutely, Sonny. So he picked up on the reference from the first season in regards to that scene that I was talking about. But he picked up on other things. Remember when they had the ballet class together? It was... Her and Darlene, right? Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that. Well, and I think that's what the girl was trying to take, and that's why Darlene freaked out. Yeah, she got pissed. Yeah. Good catch, Sonny. I appreciate that. This is amazing. I love having these clatchers back. We also got another comment, not part of this feed, from Ken saying it's great to have Mr. Robot and the two of you back for what should be an epic last season. I hope this isn't true, but will we have to consider all season if Elliot is actually dead? There we go. And this is something he imagines before he dies. So I know we've brought that up, but... Well, I brought that up because I read that comment, and I have to say it's possible, but I don't think Sam would go that way because a lot of shows and movies have done that now, and it's a trope that people get pissed at. Yeah, if that's the case, I don't think he died there at the overdose. I could see this this whole thing being a play out of the afterlife, much like the book No Exit. And that's just one more thing, like him getting shot, like all of the other unbelievable events. I still think people are going to be pissed. They got pissed at uh, well, a certain TV show. I don't, I don't want to ruin it for anybody. <clears throat> Where we learned that everyone was dead the whole time. If it's just that... If it's just that simple. But Esmail has so many other things going on. And if he has an original take on that idea, Mm. and maybe White Rose's project has a way of playing into that somehow, even if it's not extreme sci-fi, I think there is a format that it can be done right and we still appreciate it. I think I'd appreciate it if it was a spin on Wizard of Oz, where he wasn't actually dead, he was in a coma, and the people in the show are people that he loves. That'd be pretty cool. Well, that was my second option about it's happening in real life, but that's some sort of altered state for Elliot. Mm -hmm. And it's about trying to put the pieces of his mind together and fully absorb everything he's done. The same concept, but while he's alive instead of in the afterlife. I see either of those being more likely than some of the kind of tinfoil hat tangents we've been going on. But we're going to remain open to everything as we always do. If you have a theory... Don't worry if it's wild and wacky. CKC is not going to hesitate to cover it. We're going to put it all out there. Even if it sounds silly, that's part of the enjoyment of this show, right? 
Yeah, so don't be afraid to contact us. Message us on Twitter, at CKC Podcast, or Facebook, Coffee Clatch Crew, or you can even call us. Again, it's 252-368-6606, and we do have a message this week. Hey, guys, it's Lewis. That episode was awesome. Like, it was really intense. I did not think they were going to get rid of Angela like that. That's insane, and I'm, I'm really hyped to see what they do with uh, Mr. Robot, because it, it, Christian Slater was really part of this episode more than usual i agree with that that's what i really loved about it that christian slater was more of a part and i hope that it continues to be something that pulls elliot out of the weeds yeah i like the dynamic between christian slater and uh rami malik like how how mr robot and elliot kind of go back and forth and it's you know it's just one person but they uh do a good job filming it as if it was two different people so that was the best part of the show I think I think it's gonna get a little crazy this season. I can't wait. I can't wait to see what happens with with Elliot. So yeah, I mean, it's insane. Oh, I do. I do want to give Jason. I'm I'm pretty sure it was Jason that that um, your new um, the new cover, the new CKC cover. And I like the fact that if you look at his phone, he's listening on the phone, and that kind of reminds me of the little Easter egg on this episode where. Elliot is in the subway station, and you see a new NBC poster for the hack or something. I forgot the name of it, but it was like some guy hacking a computer, and it was like a poster in the subway where Elliot Shift was. So control. it was pretty cool. And uh, and so is your new cover. So, all right, guys, I'll catch you guys later. Uh, thank you, man. I I um to make it short, I'm going back into my drawing adventures from Foundations courses, and I've been drawing on the iPad Pro, and I wanted to draw Elliot, so. I drew that, and then I wanted to incorporate it into our podcast. So I, I really appreciate that because that was a passion project for me. Yeah, cut out where he was saying the key thing that it's very cool that we're looking at it on screen, and it's Elliot Rami Malik looking down at his phone screen, and that says the CKC cover. Yeah. So it's like mirrored Easter eggs within our own cover. So that's really great. Jason has been working hard on a lot of new potential designs and artwork that we might utilize so we're very happy that you guys are digging it. And a little, um, wasn't supposed to bring this up, but I got it now. Potentially that design will be a t-shirt and some wallpapers. Mm-hmm. And when it's released, we'll let you know. Well, that's going to do it for the episode proper coverage and just take us to our closer look, which includes potential spoilers. We are going to analyze those HTTP codes that we discussed earlier from 402 to 413 that might indicate what the rest of our episode titles are going to be. So if you don't want to hear those spoilers, or if this is just kind of boring tech stuff to you, then we will see you next time when we cover episode 402. Before we go into the spoilers, we just want to thank everyone for continuing to go on this ride with the Coffee Clutch crew. We love you all. And if you want to help us out, you can go on to coffeeclatchcrew.com and click on Amazon. We have an Amazon link there where you can do your shopping. doesn't cost you any more money. It just makes the big conglomerate give us a little bit that helps us out tremendously. You can also feel free to check out the Patreon page there where we have several different tiers. You're bound to find one that's right for you, starting off with just exclusive access to our community chat boards and discounts on our gear. You can find all of that on the gear page. Then we have a coffee break episode each month where you get fun facts and content. You can hear what else Jason and I are watching with just brief recaps and our ratings. And it's very interactive. The next tier up from that, we have the bonus episode where we cover fun topics. This month in the spirit of Halloween, it's all about ghost stories. And finally, the last tier is our movie podcasts 
We recently did It Chapter 2. We had a ton of fun with that, but we cover all genres. We put up polls every month, so you can tell us which movie you'd like us to see, either something new in the theaters or a fun throwback. Of course, on the website, coffeeclutchcrew.com, Jason also puts a timer up for when our next episode is going to be released. We mentioned in our preseason shorty podcast that the episodes are going to be coming out on Fridays this season. I know that's a long wait from the airtime on Sunday nights. We really wish it could be different, but schedules have created a lot of conflict for us, and we still want to bring you these great quality podcasts with as much research as we can cram in there. So Mm. this time around, instead of being the first word on Mr. Robot for the week, we are going to be the last, and we hope you appreciate that as well. And now there's nothing left but our spoiler section. So here we go. Jason, in seeing all of those different codes, that 401 is in fact unauthorized, this title, and we got the upcoming titles for the next two episodes, they correspond. So I think Esmail is going to follow that all the way through for the rest of the season. That would make 402 payment required. The original intention for that was that the code might be used as part of some form of digital cash or micropayment scheme but it has not happened yet. So the code is usually not used. Yeah, I haven't seen that in my dealings with the internet. I love the fact that 401 is season four, episode one. 402 is season four, episode two. Payment required, that could be that it's finally time for Elliot to pay up in some regards. Oh, you're going metaphor. See, I was thinking with all this talk about eCoin that we might get a little more Tyrell and what's happening with the eCoin currency. And oh, re- perhaps. Rebuilding. Or it could have something to do with Cyprus National Bank and the heart of White Rose's money. Oh, there we go. Then we have 403 forbidden. This means the request contained valid data and was understood by the server, but the server is refusing action. This might be due to the user not having the permission for the resource. 401. Exactly. Or attempting a prohibited action. Like, 499. Like creating a duplicate record where only one is allowed. It also means the request should not be repeated. And I mm. could see Elliot attempting some stuff that he is not supposed to. Well, repeated, so maybe, oh no. Did Mr. Robot already try and there's a divide? Oh no, don't tell me that. And now Elliot's trying to do it and it's already happened? Oh hmm. God. But again, we said we weren't going to try to pretend to know what's going to happen, but it looks like we have. No, we're, Tried to we're analyze theorizing. and theorize. We can't help ourselves. <laughs> 404, not found. The requested resource could not be found, but may be available in the future. Um, Elliot's not allowed access to certain memories yet, but it's coming soon. 404 is a common page that we get a lot, especially with web design. There's often pages we move, and now people are going to get 404s, which, by the way, Google does not like. So we have to do redirects. I get that a lot. Yeah. That's a more common result that I think everyone listening has probably seen it at least once. Well, yeah, I've never seen 403, forbidden. Me neither. Then we got 405, method not allowed. Request method is not supported for the requested resource. For example, a get request on a form that requires data to be presented via post or a put request on a read-only resource. So this is PHP now. Without getting into the weeds. (laughs) Yes, make it easy for me, dear. This is all front-end script. So get and post means get from the table and post from the table. But a put, I actually haven't seen before because I'm not deep in the weeds of back-end. But you can't put anything on a read-only resource. 
Then we have 406 not acceptable. The requested resource is capable of generating only content, not acceptable according to the headers sent in the request. 407, proxy authentication required. Well, we talked about this before, the steps that you can go through to authenticate yourself before you are allowed access. I can't dig deeper this, into this. This is I all don't know these it's things. all feeling though like a big hack coming. So if Elliot is in fact kind of being kept held secret somewhere and trying to generate this hack into, let's say, Cypress National Bank to get to the heart of White Rose. These are all commands that as he's trying to hack it, he's getting these. Right. He could be oh, running into problems. I dig it. So it could just be that simple instead of a huge metaphor. And that would make sense if you go to 408, request timeout. The server timed out waiting for the request. So if what we were saying before is correct, we only have three days before this is all going to go down, before White Rose's shipment goes through, and that puts us under a real-time crunch. Well, we should be very clear about this. After three, we're guessing, right? They are not the official listed titles. However, these are all the codes that you would get corresponding to the number. Mm -hmm. So 401 is always unauthorized, 402 payment required, and we know the first three episode titles for sure, they correlate with that. So it would be kind of weird if they stopped correlating yeah. after three, but no, none of this is for sure beyond episode three, and the speculation we're doing about what it could mean is based on theorizing we already did earlier in the episode. Yeah. So we could be completely off base. Completely wrong, and if that's the case, we'll delete this episode. Let's push on. 404 not found. If you look for this episode, if we're really wrong. Or 410, gone. <laughs> 409 conflict indicates the request could not be processed because of conflict in the current state of the resource. Um, could also be between multiple simultaneous updates. Again, going back to your theory about Elliot and Mr. Robot. Oh, there you go. Wow. Mm. Wow, 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 wow. You ever use a share drive? Um, remember Google Wave? This was the first indication where... Two people could be editing the same document at the same time. Yeah, Dropbox. And they're saving. Now that you have Dropbox, you have uh, Microsoft has their own version. And it all works. And it's pretty cool. You can save, you can make a change and save it. Then I make a change, save it. But if we're both both making the same change simultaneously. It saves two versions. It's an error, yep. Well, and that could create the conflict. 410, gone. Indicates the resource requested is no longer available and will not be available again. Hmm. This should be used when it's been intentionally removed and it should not be purged. Upon receiving a 410 code, the client should not request the resource in the future. Most of the times they don't receive this. They, instead, they receive the 404 not found. So this is like an extreme version. Never seen this. And if this correlates, whatever happens in 404 could give us an indication of 410. Shit. Then 411, length required. The request did not specify the length of its content. It would be kind of funny if they played with the length of the episode there. Oh. 4.12, preconditioned failed. <clears throat> the server does not meet one of the conditions the requester put on the header field. And 4.13, payload too large. The request is larger than the server is willing or able to process. We see that often with WordPress. So, so much could be happening here. I think we've done enough theorizing. We'll just leave this off by saying the preview we got for next time we see Sam Esmail saying that a lot of what hacking is about is finding identity, and fans should be rooting for Elliot and Robot to team up because they are, in fact, one person. True, but that was to go into Gemini. So I don't know how... Yeah, but I don't think he's lying. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's a big point to not be truthful about. So this has been great. 
It's so good to be back in the Mr. Robot universe, and we look forward to reviewing episode 402 next time. Thank you to the Clatchers who voted on our poll. If you want to be part of it, just follow us on Twitter at CKC Podcast. Email us, phone us, be part of the conversation. And until next time, this round's on me. This round is on me. Try again.